Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to a wonderful Friday morning. We've got a lot lined up for you. One of our most, I guess, sought-after guests, favorite guest, most knowledgeable. What else you want me to say, Art? Just I've a, learned a lot about Social Security when great, he comes on the show. He does. He always, and we get so many guys coming back and saying, what about if you'd ask this? Well, we got a lot of questions for him today. His name, of course, is Kurt Zarnowski. He is with Zarnowski's Consulting. He's our Social Security expert, and he does a wonderful job. And I know many of you will be listening specifically to him because of what he brings to the table. But before we get to that, Jeremy, I, I really would like to... You know, this market did a big deal yesterday. I mean, you know, finally we're getting this whole mindset. In fact, I think some of the news this morning, headlines this morning is finally we got this maybe a correction in order for the bull to surge forward. It's much needed. It's kind of a take a deep breath. But gold jumped yesterday. So what gold did jump. Yep. That just tells you the fear and the, you know, the flight to Moving to safety, you know, a lot of people are doing a lot. And gold's been on a huge decline, and we've been waiting for this. Yep. And there's, it's really no technical reason, but it's just starting to happen, continue to, you know, global fears are continuing uh, with China, and Greece is still on the table with concerns, but then also the Fed and when they might be raising rates between right. now and the end of the year. So a lot of little noise. I mean, I, I know the doomsayers. I know the reality is we could build a technical you know, uh, I guess a theory behind this correction, but the reality is it's a needed correction. It's something we've been waiting for. Again, maybe sometimes people say, well, wait a minute, why do we need a correction? And sometimes the market gets to a point where it just needs to take a a breather, and we're there. Take a breath of kind of saying, okay, let me back up a little bit, and I think we're there. It's a a good thing, uh, as long as we don't get caught up in it. And so we always caution people to be careful with this. Don't run out here and follow the herd, jump to everything, settle in. It's amazing. We've had a lot of conversation with a lot of our clients here in the last couple of days. Sure. And I guess the, the thing that I've been amazed with, as we draw out this scenario, as we share with them the technical things we look at, and as we go through the process of helping them understand, you know, it's been amazing that, in, in without exception, we, they have all said, hey, we understand, we've been here, we know what you guys are doing, and so it's more or less like... Um, they don't run and jump and, you know, they're not following the herd. They don't get all that fear. I mean, we all get a little of that. You know, it's a little anxiety, but the reality is we know that what goes down, that's volatility going down and volatility coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Reactionary is always the first thought to everyone's mind. And so we just want to be careful with that. And so, okay, we can react by sitting down and looking at it and studying it and understanding what's our continued purpose for our plan and, and for our assets. Well, I tell you what, let's, uh, we'll talk some more about that. Sure. I guess at the end of the program, after Kurt, I want to kind of zero in a little bit about retirement. Some of the things that we kind of need to look at, um, 
how you need to kind of think about saving for retirement because uh, this plays into a lot of our listeners today because we're going to be talking with Kurt Zornowski when we come back about Social Security. All you ever wanted to know about Social Security but were afraid to ask. Stay with us. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return right after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. Well, you know, this is probably one of our programs that we have more people tune in. We have people ask questions. They send us questions. I don't know if it has it has to do with you and I, don't it? I mean, it's just you and me. We do a good job. I mean, we do such a great job here. I mean, it's all about us, Art's right? Art's laughing for some reason. Well, yeah, I noticed Art was kind of maybe Chuck- Kurt's laughing too. That could be yeah. part of our problem. No, we know always this program is such a sought-after program because of our guest. That's Kurt Zarnowski, Zarnowski Consultant. He is the guru from the Northeast that talks about Social Security. Sir, welcome to the program. And as I always start by saying, good morning, gentlemen, and I use the term loosely. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, it is a, a privilege to have you on the program, sir, and you do such a good job. We do have a lot of people that send in the questions, and, you know, let's just start because I think, I think we need to lay the foundation again. I had someone yesterday in the office shocked me that they really did not know how they qualify for Social Security. So... I think they need to understand that, how they qualify for retirement benefits. Let's start with that because it does lay the foundation for what we want to cover. Absolutely. And, Jim, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, it's a huge program, pays about $70 billion a month to about 60 million people, and yet there's a large number of folks out there who don't understand the basics. And so one of the great things about Social Security, incidentally, a week ago today, Social Security celebrated its 80th birthday Law was signed into effect by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, August 14th, 1935. So it's been around a while, provides a lot of help, but yet there's myths and misunderstandings that uh, this program does a great job of helping to dispel. So one of the hallmarks of the Social Security program has always been it has been eligibility for benefits because someone has worked and has had Social Security tax deducted from their pay. 2015, if you work in a job that's covered by the Social Security program, and these days about 95% of the jobs in the country are, then you as an employee are going to pay 6.2% in 
FICA, or Federal Insurance Contributions Act, or Social Security tax of your salary. It's going to be matched by your employer. And in 2015, you will pay that 6.2% up on the first $118,500 that you happen to make. Anything you make above that, sure, it's going to be subject to federal income tax. It'll be subject to Medicare tax. But you don't pay Social Security tax on those earnings. But the question is, how long do you need to have worked under Social Security to qualify for a benefit? And here, focus shifts to earning what Social Security calls credits, Social Security credits. Now, older folks in the audience or even others may be more familiar with the term quarters of coverage or QCs, because back when the program started in 1935, to get coverage and protection, you needed to actually work during a calendar quarter of the year, January, February, March, April, May, June, whatever. And if you worked during a particular calendar quarter of the year, made at least $50 in earnings subject to Social Security tax, then you'd earn your one quarter of coverage. But meant you needed to work throughout the entire year, basically, to get a full year's worth of coverage under Social Security. So 1978, the law was changed. Congress moved away from this calendar-driven quarters of coverage system to what I referred to earlier as earning Social Security credits. And now you get Social Security credits towards retirement benefits, not based on when you work, but based on the dollar amount of earnings you happen to have during the course of the year. So that first year, for example, 1978, for each $250 that you made, you would earn one Social Security credit, which meant if you thought about it, if you made $1,000 or more that year, you would earn, and it is a maximum of four Social Security credits during any one calendar year. But $1,000 or more, you'd earned your four credits. The key thing was, didn't matter when you made the money. Made it a lot easier for folks to get coverage and protection under the Social Security program, because in the past, as I pointed out, you needed to work during the entire year. But now, for some folks with as little as a day or two of work under Social Security, you could pick up your four credits for a particular calendar year. Now, with the passage of time, the amount required for a credit is increased. 2015, you get one credit for each $1,220 that you make, again, in work covered by Social Security. But it means you earn $4,880. You have earned your four Social Security credits for 2015. Again, it doesn't matter when you make the money. And the bottom line, Jim, is to qualify for retirement benefits these days, you need to have accumulated 40, 40 Social Security credits and or quarters of coverage. You know, if you had quarters of coverage in the back, they carried forward, which if you think about it, it's the equivalent of 10 years of work under the system. But the key thing is, it's 10 years at any point or 40 credits at any point during your working lifetime. Doesn't need to be 10 years just before retirement. Doesn't need to be 10 consecutive years. And in fact, you don't have to earn four credits during a calendar year. You can't earn more than four, but you cobble together one here, two here, three there, whatever. Once you've got 40, the great news is you're foot in the door. You've sort of vested in the Social Security program, if you will, and you will absolutely, positively qualify for something 
from Social Security when the time comes. So that's the deal. Ten years of work, 40 credits, you're good to go. Okay, now you're good to go. But Jeremy and I were talking earlier. I mean, what do you say? I mean, Jerry, you got the question. What's What do you say to people about the millennials? I mean, some of the, the, the whole idea... Kurt, is people worry that Social Security won't be around when they reach retirement? You, you, yeah, yeah, Kurt, I, was, I saw a study that was done. It's kind of amazing with millennials today. 64% of millennials believe they have a greater chance of winning the lottery than ever receiving a penny from Social Security. <laughs> now, I'm not sure they know what Social Security is, but that's what they think. 64% of well, you know, and I think uh, that's, uh, that type of study has been around and survey has been around <laughs> Forever and ever and ever, probably 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't whether you'd win the lottery or get Social Security. It's whether you'd see a space alien or get Social Security. <laughs> I mean, a, it, it, you know, the, 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 the melody changes, but the, the song is always pretty much the same. And, and, you know, frankly, I'll tell you, boys, I started with Social Security in 1976. And in 1976, when I started working there, Zarnowski family uncles would come up to me and they'd be in their 30s, 40s whatever. No, no, they'd be a little older, 40s and 50s. And they'd come up to me and go, stay. Hey, do you think it's still going to be there when I reach retirement age? And I say, absolutely, absolutely. And that's always been the case. And I think uh, that's two points for millennials. I agree. One, I agree with you. I, I absolutely believe it's going to be there in the future. But I always like to remind younger workers in particular that Social Security is more than just a retirement program. And that's what everybody focuses on. But younger workers in particular need to remember that while they're paying Social Security tax, they're earning disability protection for themselves and their family, and they're earning survivor benefit protection for their family if something were to happen to them. Everybody hopes you enter the workforce age 22, 23 or whatever, have that long, steady climb to a comfortable retirement at full retirement age. But you boys know as well as I do, stuff happens to yeah. people. Yeah. And I've... for younger workers in particular, the Social Security protection that is there for their family in case they need it is frequently overlooked and, and, and shouldn't be. It's a very vital part of what Social Security provides, particularly to young folks. Yeah, I agree. I think so many people forget about that piece of the disability piece of Social Security. But I think the study, I think it's a good thing for young people to think that Social Security is not going to be. That forces them to start saving for themselves outside of, you know, what the government or what Social Security or what their company is going to give them so they know that they have to start saving words, for themselves. It makes them wake up, but Absolutely. they do need to understand that it's going to be there. They it's going to be they there. Will. They're going to pay in. You know, Kurt, yeah. let me ask you this. I had this happen day before yesterday in a, in a client meeting, and I think it was pretty informa- good information. The client is 62 has retired and has minor children. Now, we won't go down that path. We can do that all day long. But minor children, that were 11 and 13, he's 62 and retiring. I did not realize this, but his children are receiving a benefit. Absolutely right. You know, Social Security, it's a family protection program. We talked about family protection in case of disability, family protection in case of early death and survivorship. But people need to understand that under the retirement program, if you've got a parent who is receiving Social Security retirement benefits, and retirement benefits can be paid as early as age 62, but that parent has children under the age of 18 or up through the age of 19 if still full-time students in high school, then those children are eligible to receive a monthly Social Security benefit at the same time the amount of which is driven by what the parents' work and earnings had been, the higher that 
parents' earnings had been, the more the parent is collecting, the more the, the children receive. But that's something that Social Security, frankly, is seeing more of these days, largely because of marriage, divorce, remarriage, and second families later in life. Yeah. But it's always been there, but it's just shown up a little more frequently because of the, um, not preponderance, but you know, greater occurrence of second marriages and second families later in life. Exactly. That's exactly what happened here. I mean, his first wife passed away, and then he, you know, remarried, and uh, he does have, he's adopted two children and taken care of, and they're eligible. So, but now that's a great question because a lot of people, I mean, I, I, he did not come to me before he retired. He came to me afterwards. I would not have liked for him to retire at 62. That's his choice. When when should you start receiving retirement benefits? What would you give as our for guidance today to think through the process? You're about to reach that age. When should you start receiving benefits? Well, Jim, in all honesty, beats the heck out of me. <laughs> no, to say should. No, let me, no, I'll talk a little bit more. But the decision as to when you should collect your benefits, that's an individual choice, an individual decision based on an individual circumstances. Now, key thing is to understand how the program operates so that you're making an informed decision about when to start collecting your benefits. But I always say, and when I talk to folks, it's your decision as to when you should start. I just want to make sure you understand what you can do under the program, that it's entirely up to the individual. Now, the key thing is, People need to understand what is called their full retirement age for Social Security purposes. When the program started back in 1935, full retirement was age 65 for everybody. But Congress has passed legislation back in 83, has increased this Social Security full retirement age. Right now, anyone born between 1943 and 1954 has a Social Security full retirement age of 66, but it continues to increase Tops out anyone born 1960 or later has a Social Security full retirement age of 67. Full retirement means basically one thing. If you start to collect the month you reach your full retirement age, you get 100% of what your work and earnings have entitled you to. But you have other options, including starting before you've reached full retirement age. And these days you can start to collect as early as age 62 or at any point in between if you choose to do so. But here's the thing, Social Security, it's a social insurance program. Congress has built certain social goals into it, and one always was that, you know, if you live to life ex- average life expectancy, you should get roughly the same amount of lifetime payments from Social Security regardless of when you started to collect them. And so if you opt to start receiving your payments before you've reached your full retirement age, because now in theory anyway, you'll be collecting for a longer period of time, well, then your monthly payment amount is going to be reduced. For each month prior to your full retirement age, you start to take benefits. Your payment's reduced by roughly half a percent, half a percent per month. And, oh, yeah, it's a permanent reduction. Mm. A lot of people mistakenly think, yeah, I'll start early. I'll get lower amount to start. I know that. But when I hit my full retirement age, my payment will zoom back up. No, 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 no. Start early. Your payment amount is permanently reduced. Because in theory, anyway, you're going to be collecting for a longer period of time. Now, incidentally, you don't have to start right on your birthday. You don't have to start the first of the calendar year, whatever point makes the most sense for you. But if you start to take your money before you've hit your full retirement age, you get less each month. 
you start right at full retirement age. You get 100% of what your work and earnings entitled you to. And if we have some time, maybe we can talk about that, how that's figured. But among the options that people have are to wait past full retirement age before starting to take their money, if that makes sense for them. And with that social insurance idea in place, if you opt to defer, now in theory anyway, based on average life expectancy, you'll be collecting for a shorter period of time. So the system increases your monthly benefit in recognition of the fact you haven't collected for a while. These are called delayed retirement credits. And it basically these days means that your monthly benefit is increased by two-thirds of a percent for each month past your full retirement age that you don't draw. Two-thirds percent per month increase, that translates into an 8% per year increase in your payment, but you don't have to not collect for a full year. Each month you don't collect increases your benefit. But the key thing is these delayed retirement credits stop accruing at age 70. Now understand this. You never have to take your Social Security benefits. There's no required minimum distribution. And in fact, Jim, if you could convince more of your clients and listeners to forego taking their Social Security money, the system would be in much better. That's probably not anything. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a great thought, though. Great thought. We're paying so anyway, attention. So laying this out, it's, I, as I help with folks, it's kind of like this continuum. You can start as early as 62. There's no point waiting past age 70 because you don't get any additional bump. So it's a question of which point on that continuum makes the most sense for the individual. What are the things you ought to be looking at? Well, obviously your health, longevity, you're going to keep working, do you need the money, all those things come into play. But ultimately, it's the individual's choice what point makes the most sense for them in terms of when to start collecting. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at. The whole idea behind the decision, Jeremy, as he's saying, it's, you know, the word should. He really did, you know, what's best for the individual. When we come back, I want to kind of pick up a couple of questions because I think it's important. So many people forget that if they start early, before full retirement, there may be some, if they're still working, there may be some cost there. But after full retirement, I want, I want you, Kurt, to kind of dive into that a little bit. If there are, does work impact the ability to collect and how much does it impact coming to some of those things? And then federal income tax on Social Security. That's a question that we hear a lot. And of course, then are there ways to maximize one's Social Security benefit? It's always a big topic. Uh, file and suspend. Everybody wants to hear about that. Everybody wants to understand that. So when we come back, we're talking with Kurt Zarnowski. And uh, why should Social Security, it's not going away. He's already told us that in this program. So I'm a done. I'm, I'm okay with it. Of course, uh, I'm ready to collect it sometime in the near future. Jeremy, you've got it. You feel much better today because Kurt has said it's not going away. It may away. be a dollar, but I'm good. I'm collecting. <laughs> You're going to collect. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Kurt Sarnowski, and we're talking about Social Security. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Talk Money will return after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. 
At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning again. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones. Our guest today is Art Zarnowski. Kurt Zarnowski. I've got to ask Art to ask a question. i got to get Kurt. Hey, guys, you know, I'm a little slow, but I catch up. That's the bottom line right there. I was about to say something that we heard the technical advisor for the Zarnowski Consulting Firm uh, the grandson, I think. How old is that grandson now, Kurt? He's uh, just about 17 months, and uh, <laughs> at the very present time, he's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to come in there with Grandpa. That's the whole deal. Yeah, he, wants correct, he wants to correct one of the answers I had given. I, <laughs> I love it. Well, I, you know, the question a lot of people ask is, Social Security benefits subject to federal income tax? That's what uh, most people get kind of confused about that. I want to I want to dive into that right quick, and then I want Art to ask you a question he's got. Sure. And in answer to that question, it depends. So prior to 1983, Social Security benefits were absolutely, totally, completely tax-free. They weren't subject to federal income tax for anyone at any point. But that year, Congress changed the tax code, said if you were a – quote unquote, higher income social security beneficiary, then you would be required to pay federal income tax on a portion of the payments that you would received in the prior year. So how did they define higher income? Well, basically they said if you were a single tax filer and had more than $25,000 in what is called modified adjusted gross income, or a couple filing jointly with more than $32,000, in modified adjusted gross income, then back in 1983, you would be required to pay federal income tax on up to 50% of the benefit payments that you had received in the prior year. So what's modified adjusted gross income? It's the sum of three things. It's your adjusted gross income, bottom line on the 1040, plus any tax-free interest that you had received in the prior year but hadn't had to include in your income tax filing, plus 50% of the Social Security benefits that you had collected in the prior year. You had those three things up, and as I said, single tax filer, that number was below 25000 couple filing jointly below 32000 then you didn't have to worry about paying federal income tax on any part of your benefits, but above that level, up to 50% would be subject to federal income tax. That first year, about 10% of all Social Security beneficiaries found themselves having to pay federal income tax on a portion of their payments. But what Congress didn't do was index those two thresholds that I had mentioned. And so here we are now about 30 years later. If you are a single tax filer with modified adjusted gross income above $25,000, couple filing jointly with modified adjusted gross income above $32,000, you're now going to find yourself having to pay federal income tax on up to 
85% of the benefit payments that you would receive in the prior year. Because mm-hmm. those thresholds haven't been indexed, about half of all Social Security beneficiaries do find themselves at the end of the year having to pay federal income tax on a portion of the benefit payments that they had received in the prior year. Now, it's never 100% of your benefits. The maximum of 85% of what you'd received in the prior year gets treated as ordinary income subject to federal income tax at whatever marginal tax rate you happen to be at. So basically, as I said, about half of all folks do find themselves having to pay taxes. End of the year, Social Security sends you a 1099 form, tells you how much you'd received. You use that in filing your tax return. Often get the question, does Social Security automatically withhold a portion of my payments each month and send it off to the IRS? The answer is no, they don't do it automatically, but you can ask to have it done. You fill out a W-4 form and At your request, Social Security will withhold a percentage of your monthly payments, send it off to the IRS in advance, and smart strategy to have if you do anticipate you will be faced with tax liability when you file your income tax return. Very good. I guess what I, I guess the whole idea is that we are going to pay the tax. They have it indexed. It that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can see why they didn't do that. When we come back, we want to talk about filing and suspending. Art, Art, you've got a question. I want you to come right back and get into that question with us. You know, guys, if you're just tuned in, you're listening to Kurt Zarnowski, and he is talking about Social Security, something that all of us want to know about. Stay with us when with Rebecca Brazier going to give us the Mid South History moment. When we come back, we're going to find out more than you can imagine. Imagine about Social Security. Stay with us. We'll be back after this. One important reason that Memphis is the large, prosperous city that it is is because its main urban rival to the north failed. It was called Randolph, just 40 miles upriver from Memphis, and no one in the early 1800s was sure whether Memphis or Randolph would become the dominant city in the region. The first people who moved to Memphis didn't experience attacks from Native Americans, but the city of Memphis was still far removed from the rest of the civilized United States in those days. In fact, Memphis grew so slowly that its original founders didn't make a profit from the money they invested in the city. Although Union troops destroyed Randolph during the Civil War, it was the early expansion of American railroads that really made the difference. Memphis got the railroad line instead of Randolph and subsequently emerged as the larger and more commerce-friendly place for regional farmers to come sell their crops and for those crops to be transported out of Memphis by boat. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Okay, we're back with Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting on Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And Jim, pass the mic over to me for just a moment so I could ask Mr. Zarnowski a question here. This is You mentioned earlier, Kurt, that if you collect benefits before you reach your full retirement age, you're going to collect at a reduced rate, and when you reach full retirement age, you will still collect at a reduced, reduced rate, correct? Yeah, absolutely, Art. Okay, my question is, is that if you retire early due to medical issues, are you still collecting at a reduced rate, 
And if you are collecting at a reduced rate because of these medical issues, when you reach full retirement age, do you still collect at that reduced rate? Sure. Great question. Comes up frequently. And it kind of circles back to one of the points I had made earlier. Social Security is more than retirement. There's disability insurance protection that's there for workers who become unable to work because of a medical condition. And if somebody applies for and qualifies for Social Security disability benefits, the good news for them is the amount of money that's paid, it's as if the person were at full retirement age. And so there's no reduction for age. So somebody unable to work because of disabling condition at age 62 applies for Social Security disability benefits. The amount they collect, it's not as if they were at age 62. It's as if they were at their full retirement age, and there is no reduction in that monthly payment. And then for that person, say they start to collect at 62, collect, 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 collect. And then as soon as they reach full retirement age, under the Social Security program, disability benefits end, and the person is seamlessly transitioned over to the retirement program. They see no change in the amount of their payment, no change in the payment date or anything like that, but disability benefits end at full retirement age. The person is then considered collecting under the Social Security retirement program, and it's really more an internal bookkeeping issue. But long-winded answer to your question, Art, if you qualify for Social Security disability, Receiving those benefits, there's no reduction for age, and it's as if you were at your full retirement age, and those payments continue at that same level going forward, although at full retirement age, Social Security transitions you to the retirement program, but that's really, as I said, an internal bookkeeping issue more. Person sees no change at all. That's that's great, Kurt. You know, we talk about a lot of strategies a lot of times, but one one strategy or talking about maximizing somebody's Social Security benefits, the term file and suspend. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. A couple of things. Um, file and suspend uh, been around since the year 2000, part of the Senior Citizen Freedom to Work Act passed back then. Basically, in general, it pertains to a person's ability once they have reached full retirement age, to go to Social Security, apply for retirement benefits, and then ask to have their monthly payments suspended. Ask to have your payments suspended, you're not going to collect anything. But if you're not collecting your payment, you're going to be earning delayed retirement credits that we had referenced earlier, and you'll be increasing your benefit by two-thirds percent per month, 8% per year, as long as you don't collect right up until age 70. And so this file and suspend strategy, it's important to remind folks, it's not available until you reach your full retirement age. You can't go to Social Security at age 62 or 63 and say, I want to file and suspend. But file and suspend has a couple of different strategic applications to it. One is spousal benefits. Social Security, as I said, Family Protection Program provides income for workers and their families. And if you have somebody who has worked, paid into the system, but that person's spouse has little or no work activity, that spouse can collect a monthly Social Security benefit equal to 50% of that worker's full retirement age amount. But for that spousal payment to be made, the worker has to have applied for benefits. But let's say you've got somebody, the worker has listened to this radio show, 
decides, yeah, I want to wait until age 70 or at some point past my full retirement age before starting to collect. This filing, normally then, if they didn't apply, that spousal payment would not be due. But with the file and suspend option, that worker at full retirement age, go in, file an application for benefits, ask to have the payment suspended so they'll begin to earn those delayed retirement credits, increasing their benefit. But by having applied in the first place, it now triggers eligibility for the spouse to collect that monthly Social Security spousal payment. And basically, you're talking about the worker having his cake and eating it too, typically, because he's able to defer collecting, earn those delayed retirement credits, but it enables a spousal payment to be made, which wouldn't be made unless the worker had actually applied for benefits. Now, the Kurt, thing is, I said earlier, you have to be at full retirement age to be able to file and suspend. Now, Kurt, real quick, that spouse, this now, I'm, I'm 67, I'm full, uh, full retirement age, I file and suspend. My 62-year-old spouse is now eligible, you're saying, for a spousal benefit, and you said approximately 50% of the benefit. Now, with my spouse being 62, is that 50% going to be reduced because she's taking it early? Absolutely. That 50%, that's if the spouse is at full retirement age. Just as with a retirement benefit, if you opt to take it before you've hit full retirement age, the payment amount is reduced. Same thing applies to spousal benefits. The spouse collects at full retirement age. As I said, that's when you get the full 50%. If you opt to start collecting at the earliest point, which is age 62, the way the reduction factor works out, you get 35% of the worker's full retirement age amount. You wait closer to full, your spouse full retirement age, get closer to the 50%. But yes, there is a reduction if that spousal payment starts to be collected before the spouse has reached full retirement age. That's such a great question because I think so many people forget that. Now, you've talked about also another strategy that's very, very effective. And again, we let's, let's do this as quickly as we can, and then I'll come back about it. But the whole idea between claim some now and claim more later, let's, uh, let's dive into that. Have we covered that? Because that's one of those topics that a lot of people do or talk about. But uh, can you kind of give me that briefly? Then we'll take a break, come back, and finish it up. Sure. It's basically it's a way that the worker can, again, defer collecting And, you know, Jim, we've always said Social Security, totally gender neutral, but the typical situation, it's the husband who's the higher worker, that the husband can defer collecting his own Social Security retirement benefit, but receive a spousal benefit based on the wife's work and earnings. At the same time, he's deferring collection of his own. Key thing is you have to be at full retirement age to take advantage of this. Under full retirement age, you don't have that ability. That's probably the key that we need to nail down. Full retirement age becomes a very, very critical point. So many people think about Social Security before that, probably need to back off from this 62, 63, and think, hey, I need to retire at 66. That's the full retirement age for what we're looking at right now for people that are in that age bracket. They need to be thinking that way. I, I want to come back because when, when we get into this, the combining the strategies, and I know there's a such thing as a do-over, so I want to talk about the do-over. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Jeremy Jones, our guest today, and he is always doing a great job, Kurt Zarnowski. And uh, with Zarnowski Consulting, he talks about Social Security. He answers our questions, and if you've got a question, you need to let us know what it is. Just simply send it to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. 
Financial.com. We'll get it on the air. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Shoemaker Financial and Security and Financial Services are not affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski or Zarnowski Consulting. Shoemaker Financial and Security and Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice, and since every situation is unique, individuals should always consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. Talk Money will return right after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Helping you make the most of your money, this is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. All right, welcome back. We're talking about Social Security and a lot of different strategies and how to claim them. Kurt, I actually, you know, as as you sit around and talk about Social Security... You get complicated. More and more <laughs> thoughts and ideas come up, you know, because obviously I'm in the business of questions and scenarios. And so when you're talking about claiming strategies on spouse and file and suspend, and you use the scenario where, okay, just use the high uh, earner, the male... 67, and his spouse is, you could say that she's 67 as well. They're both full retirement age. He's going to continue to work, okay? And he files and suspends, Yep. but she actually has eligible credits, personal credits. Sure. While he still works and he's delaying his, can he file on the spousal benefit of hers and receive that half of that benefit? Um, The answer is? You betcha. <laughs> we should have had a drum roll there. For I that. tried. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So basically, this is what I call, and I think Jim had referred to as the combined, well, perhaps it's the combined strategy, or perhaps it's the claim some now, claim more later. Now, the key thing is the wife needs to have applied for benefits. All right? So she's applied for benefits. She's either, she's collecting based on her own work record. Because the husband is at or older than his full retirement age, he has the ability to go to Social Security and opt to take just a spousal benefit. By doing that, he doesn't apply for his own retirement benefit, so he continues to earn delayed retirement credits, but he will receive a monthly payment amount equal to 50% of the wife's full retirement age amount. Receive that money going forward, and then... At age 70, the husband goes back in, applies for his own retirement benefit at that point. His payment will now, assuming he's got a full retirement age of 66, will be 32% higher than it would have been had he started at his full retirement age of 66. But he will have been receiving this spousal benefit, 50% of her full retirement age amount, in the meantime. Again, the key thing is the wife has worked has paid into the Social Security program, 
and has applied for benefits on her own. That triggers spousal benefit eligibility for him. The other key factor to make this work is he has to be at full retirement age. Because if you're under your full retirement age, you don't have the option of just taking the spousal benefit and deferring your own. Rules require you to take your own retirement benefit first. And if, in our example, his full retirement age amount was greater than half of hers, well, then he wouldn't be eligible for any type of spousal payment. He'd only collect based on his own. But at full retirement age, he's no longer required to take his own first. He can defer collecting his own and receive that spousal payment in the meantime. Now, you mentioned you mentioned the spouse has to file on her own, but what if she's actually, her benefit is actually less than her spousal benefit of the husband's? Do you have to actually file on your own and then claim the spousal benefit? Uh, or if, you know, because, <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm making this very confusing for myself, but you mentioned that she has to file and then he can take half of hers. But what if she's actually going to claim? She suspends. Well, no, she's going to claim the, his spousal because he's at full retirement age. He's filing suspending. His, half of his is more than hers. Sure. Okay? So, so, but to do that, that rules out what we had just talked about. Okay, that's what because I needed. That's what he, I needed. If he has filed and suspended in order to get her spousal benefits off him, he's not going to be able to take that spousal money off of her. You can't cross-collect okay. spousal benefits off each other. As I often say, you can cross-dress, but you can't <laughs> cross-collect. Okay. Great point. <laughs> okay, let's keep that in mind. You heard it first right here. You cannot yeah. cross-collect. You can cross-dress, right. though. That's good. One, one files and suspends. The other files for spousal benefits only. That's the only way it can work. They can't File for spou- each one file for spousal benefits only off the other one. Great. All right. Now, guys, here, this gets complicated. Now, you start something, Kurt, and you get into it and you say, whoops, I made a mistake. Talk about do-over. Sure. And basically, the rules on the Social Security do-over have changed within the past ye- uh, five years, but a lot of people uh, haven't woken up to that fact yet. Always used to be Social Security said if you changed your mind, you could always undo the retirement application you had applied or, or filed simply withdrew the application you had previously filed, and then for Social Security to grant that request, you had to repay any benefits you may have collected in the meantime, but Social Security never charged interest, simply repaid the principal. So what arose as a strategy probably a decade or so ago was Recognition that somebody could come to age six, Social Security at age 62, file for reduced retirement benefits, collect, 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 and then say at age 70, although they didn't have to wait to age 70, could go back to Social Security, say, I changed my mind. I want to withdraw my application. Social Security would say, fine, figure out how much the person had collected in that eight-year period. They simply repaid that principal amount. No interest was charged. The person was then free to file a new application the following day, and their benefit rate going forward would not be the age 62 rate they'd been collecting under, but it would be the age 70 rate going forward. But they would have received an an interest-free loan in the interim. So that's been done away with. You now have to 
you can still withdraw, but you have to do it within one year of starting to collect your payment. Well, you know, it's been a great program. He's always giving us the type of information we need. Kurt, thank you so much, sir. Have a wonderful day in the Northeast. Stay thank with you. us. We'll be back or, because we want to get him back on again. Enjoy the grandson. In the next quarter. <laughs> Make that grandson happy. Thank you, sir. All right. Of course, you've been listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Jeremy Jones. Today, our guest has been Kurt Zarnowski. Of course, our producer and board operator, Art Frederick, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. And again, production assistants, Eleanor Moskovich and Katie Brashear. Mid-South History Moments, read by Rebecca Brazier, and it's written by Drew Johnson. We want to thank everybody, just again, for being part of our program and listening. We have Thank you so much for sending us your emails, for just kind of, you know, reaching out to us and saying how much you appreciate the program. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with Jeremy Jones. We're here every Friday helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Jeremy Jones are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.